We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, December the 31st, 2020. On today's show, the transfer portal hits USC once again as Gamecocks quarterback Ryan Holinsky officially announces he is entering the transfer portal. Guys, I'll give my full thoughts. A quick thank you to the Holinsky family as we break down again the once Gamecocks starting quarterback entering the transfer portal. Also, on the last day of 2020, we look back at the 2020 year specifically for the Spurs Up Show. I'll give my top 10 moments for the Spurs Up Show in 2020. A lot of great moments to relive and a great year for the business overall as a whole, guys. I will look back at 2020 and relive some of those moments with you guys. we got a packed show, a lot of great stuff to get into. We've also got a fantastic conversation. Former Gamecocks Ryan and pitcher Will Crow joins the show, talks about his path to South Carolina, Chad Holbrook, Mark Kingston, playing for the Gamecocks the whole, also being drafted, making his major league debut for the Washington Nationals, and of course, being traded recently to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Ton to get into here on a Thursday, guys. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention other companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. By the way, they're not a trucking company. They are a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op, guys. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone in the crew is just as invested in the success of the project as you are. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service, guys. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services. Services as well. They are founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions, guys, that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether you're in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs, be sure to contact my friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group, and of course, their website for any questions you may have, they're at UpstateMoversGroup.com. That is UpstateMoversGroup.com. The show is also brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie, guys. With 2021 literally right around the corner, MyBookie's been in a giving mood, a $250 risk-free bet on Thanksgiving, boosted odds and free bets every hour of Black Friday, and they continue to give away more freebies for Cyber Monday. Guys, for a sports book that's supposed to be in the business of making money, they were giving it away. That's just one of the reasons why I've been rolling with MyBookie this season. The fact is this, guys. If you're going to put some action on the games, whether you're betting NFL, NCAA, college football, college hoops, whatever your preference, you want to do it with a reputable brand like my bookie. Guys, you can make your deposit using the promo code GAMECOX. That's promo code GAMECOX, and they'll match you halfway to give you a head start on building 
doubling your bankroll. Guys, put in $200, get an extra $100 to play with. Joining and depositing is a simple process and it's quick, but more importantly, when it's time to get paid, that's quick too. Treat yourself some extra cash in your pocket this holiday season by investing in your intuition, guys. It's not just winter season, it's winning season. So bet, win, and get paid with my bookie. Let's get it. Guys, what is going on? I'm Chris Phillips here with the Spurs Up Show. As always, appreciate you guys tuning in. We got a lot to get into here on Thursday, December the 31st. Guys, 2020 has finally mercifully come to an end. Happy New Year's Eve to you all. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you're all having a fantastic day again here on the last day of 2020. It's crazy. 2020 flew by, but also was the slowest year ever. And I feel like a lot of you guys can probably relate to that. It's crazy. This 2020 year, I mean, one that we literally lived through history this year. Like when you really think about it, we lived through a very historic time um, in 2020. But the last day of the year again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Happy New Year's Eve to you all. Hope you have big New Year's Eve plans, whatever they may be, whether you're going to like a, a house party or maybe you're just maybe you're just having a low-key night. You're going into 2021 well-rested and energized and ready to go. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're fancy, whatever it is, hope you guys are all doing well. And thank you so much for tuning in here on the last day of 2020. Again, it feels so crazy to say that because like I just said, Man, it, it's like it, it flew by in a sense, but so much happened in this 2020 year. Positives, a lot of negatives, obviously, a lot of a lot of turmoil, a lot of uncertainty. Um, and I don't want to get off on a rant here about personal stuff and like talking about life and all that. But uh, excited, obviously, for what 2021 is going to bring. I know for a lot of us, a lot of people went through struggle. A lot of people went through heartache. A lot of people, hey, a lot of people got sick. Um, I know a lot of people are ready to put 2020 behind us. But again, keep a little perspective. I think things... Could have been much worse when you think of how blessed we are and what was the worst part of the quarantine. We had to sit inside on our phones much much longer than we wanted to. Um, but again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, really excited to get into, into this. And again, whatever your plans are for New Year's Eve, hope you have a really, really good time. Obviously, be safe, be responsible. Uh, I want to see you all in 2021. It, it's kind of interesting, right? I don't think the bars are really, you know, our, our New Year's Eve party is really a thing this year because – you know, you, you can't drink past 11. So what, what, what's the point? What's the purpose? You can't champagne toast at midnight. So, you know, I, I know some people throwing some house parties and I haven't really made a decision yet, whether I'm going to uh, partake in said house party. Maybe just have, like I said, a low key night, man, just kind of get a good, good night's rest and, and start off 2021 on a high note. But again, we've got a lot to get into here today on December the 31st, 2020. And I want to start specifically because again, you guys remember last year, we did this same type of show last year. We looked back on the 2020 year, or we looked out back on the previous year, and we talked about the top moments specifically for the Spurs Up show and for me personally and for the business in the calendar year. Because, again, yesterday we obviously talked specifically for the Gamecocks, the top moments for the Gamecocks in the calendar year. But I want to talk specifically today the top moments for the Spurs Up show as a whole. But before we do that, 
big, big news dropping on Wednesday afternoon as South Carolina quarterback Ryan Holinsky has officially announced he is hitting the transfer portal. Again, of course, that's where we got to start. You know, just diving right into it, guys. I'm not surprised. Um, this has been something for a while. Again, I know a lot of you have been asking me, and, and I've been saying for a while, I fully expected Ryan Holinsky to hit the transfer portal. And I think when the decision came down that Mike Bobo was going to be coming back as Gamecocks offensive coordinator, it was pretty much inevitable at that point. You know, I thought maybe Ryan might stick around and, and battle it out through spring and just kind of see where he stands on the depth chart and what have you and kind of make a decision from there. But I'm not surprised at all. Um, you know, Ryan Hunsky, and the first thing is this. I, I want to say this first before we dive into, like, the on-the-field stuff and the Mike Bobo stuff, because there's a lot to get into on that side of it, too. But I want to say a sincere thank you to Ryan Holinsky, the Holinsky family as a whole, um, for allowing me to not only watch him on the field and, and, and be a fan and cheer for him on Saturdays, but for the Holinsky family giving me the opportunity to make – an impact much bigger, you know, off the field. Um, obviously, we had the opportunity here at the Spurs Up show to partner up with Holinsky's Hope. You know, it started way back in probably mid-2018. You know, Ryan Holinsky had committed to South Carolina, and he hadn't signed yet, but he had committed to South Carolina, and I was able to, to, uh, to chat with him over social media about doing some type of partnership and chat with his family as well. And there came the Forever to Three shirts. Uh, obviously, I remember working on those, again, way back when. That feels like forever now. But – remember working on those, and I don't know if you guys noticed this or realized this, Ryan Holinsky actually signed his letter of intent wearing a Forever to Three, the Spurs Up show shirt. And obviously, we were able to give a ton of money to the charity, to Holinsky's Hope as well um, through that opportunity. And so I say thank you again to the Holinsky family because not just that. We did the Forever to Three shirts. Then you guys remember specifically the partnership we have with Palmetto Moon with getting those in that Palmetto Moon location. Um, we did the Forever to Three shirts. Again, we did the US Three shirts. Um, obviously, that was a big thing for the business as well. You know, being able to, to help the charity, but also, again, the brand awareness to get the Spurs Up show merchandise being sold at wholesale, being sold in an actual physical location in a store, that was a huge, huge step for the business. Um, it was a huge thing, and it's something I definitely, you know, I don't take for granted. I mean, I, I look at the, the the life history of the business right now, and that was a huge moment. I mean, that was a huge moment. That partnership with Holinsky's Hope went a long way in the success of the business as a whole. So, again, to the Holinsky family, to Kim and Mark and, and, and Kelly, his brother, and Ryan specifically, obviously, Thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to, again, you know, get to know you, um, build a relationship, and to make a positive impact off the field as well. You know, Kim, I remember specifically, sent me a care package, sent me a couple Holinsky's Hope flags and sent me wristbands and wrote me thank you letters, and I, I still have those. Heck, I've still got my Holinsky's Hope flag flying in my, in my house. So, you know, the, the impact that they made on my life specifically – and the opportunities they presented me to work with them and, and build a, a friendship and a partnership and what have you. Um, again, it's just something I don't take for granted. So again, first things first, thank you to the Holinsky family and to Ryan Holinsky specifically for choosing to be Gamecocks, for allowing Gamecock Nation to embrace you. Thank you so much for you know uprooting and your family and bringing yourself to Columbia and again, allowing Gamecock Nation to embrace you all. As far as on the field, uh, I will say thank you to Ryan Holinsky for the memories in 2019. Uh, it's crazy what can happen in a year. 
And listen, I, I'll say this. I don't feel bad for Ryan Holinsky in the sense of the whole losing the starting quarterback job thing. That is the nature of the beast. It, there's competition. They're going to play the best guy. And whoever South Carolina had on staff, which was Mike Bobo and Will Muschamp and everybody else, they felt like Colin Hill gave them the best chance to win. I'm going to get into that in just a second. But I want to say this. It is a shame how things went down because we all had high hopes and aspirations after 2019. We all thought, hey, this is the guy. I mean, I, I know I was thinking that. I, I thought this is the guy. You know, I mean, maybe Luke Doty can push Ryan Holinsky a little bit, but I thought for certain that Ryan Holinsky was going to be your starting quarterback for at minimum the next three to four years. And, you know, for that not to pan out, um, for that, you know, because we all had a different story kind of written in our minds for how his career was going to go. And for that not to pan out, what is a shame? And it was a shame. And, uh, you know, obviously Ryan's a kid that played a lot of good good football for South Carolina in 2019. Uh, had his ups, had his downs, had his freshman moments, but overall played some solid football for the Gamecocks. And uh, I, I truly am appreciative of that. Now, with that all being said, okay, with that all being said, um, and, I, and I first things first, I fully expect Ryan Holinsky to land on his feet. I, I, I know we're all pulling for him. Uh, hoping, wishing nothing but massive success for him wherever he goes, you know, wishing nothing but the best. But, you know, I personally am glad Ryan Holinsky made this decision for himself because the last thing I wanted to do was watch Ryan Holinsky hold a clipboard for the next two or three years. You know what I mean? I, I, I want to see Ryan Holinsky play. And Ryan Holinsky is just like every other college athlete, especially at the quarterback position. They want to play, right? They want to play. But I think definitely, and listen, fans can have whatever approach or mentality on it they want, right? They're, they're you know, fans are fans. You, you can think whatever you want about it. You, if you really want to think that Mike Bobo screwed over Ryan Holinsky or he has some personal vendetta against him or something like that, you're more than welcome to that opinion. But I will tell you guys, the narrative that Mike Bobo started Colin Hill over Ryan Holinsky because he quote-unquote dislikes Ryan Holinsky is one of the most absurd and laughable narratives that's out there right now. Um, guys, these coaches, again, you can think whatever you want. I'm not telling you that, you know, whatever. You can think you're, you're welcome entitled to your own opinion. These coaches are paid lots of money, lots of money. We all know, tons, tons of money. But this is their livelihood. This is what they use to put food on the table, right? This is what they literally use and do to put food on the table, to support their families, to, to feed their own mouths, you know what I mean? To, to, take, to take care of the people in their life. That's what they do. They coach football. But winning is the name of the game in the SEC. Winning is the name of the game. And again, if, do you, if you want to argue that Ryan Holinsky got the shaft in the sense that like he should have seen the field more at all in 2020, I will not debate you there because there were a lot of situations where you're thinking to yourself, I mean, dude, we're down by like 30. Like, why not put him in there? Why not? But I just do not buy the narrative for a single second that Mike Bobo did anything but play the guy that he felt gave South Carolina the best chance to win football games. Bottom line, end of discussion. I just feel like it's something I, I don't I don't even feel the need to entertain the back and forth of it, to be totally honest with you, because it, to me, it just feels absurd. It, it feels absurd that people really think that's a real thing that happened. But, you know, overall, and again, I, I, you know, I said this on social media, and I'll say it again. I had someone come at me saying that I was, I was accusing Ryan Holinsky. I'm not accusing Ryan Holinsky of anything. 
I don't know him personally like that. I don't know what he's thinking right now. But my point was this. What I said on social media was this. A lot of fans, a lot of them, are pointing the finger directly at Mike Bobo and blaming him and saying, thanks a lot. You know, this is your fault because you started Colin Hill and you played Luke Doty and blah, 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 blah. Pointing the finger at Mike Bobo. I sincerely, and I, and I don't think this is the case, but what I said was this. I sincerely hope for Ryan Helensky's sake that he is not also taking on that mindset because we all saw his statement about him transferring. He thanked Coach Beamer. He thanked Coach Connor Shaw. He thanked, I think, Will Muschamp. Who did he not thank? He didn't thank Mike Bobo. And I just hope that his mentality is, you know what? Taking responsibility for what happened. And that goes, I mean, I could say this to anybody in life, not just Ryan Linsky. If you're listening right now, whatever happens in your life, take responsibility for it. Because the second you start pointing the finger or playing the blame game or blaming other people for your problems, you're done. You're finished. You're beaten. You're, you're mentally done. You are done in that moment. And I don't think Ryan Holinsky's that kind of kid, though. What I hope Ryan Holinsky's mentality is in this situation is he uses it as fuel to the fire. He uses it as a chip on his shoulder, and he says, you know what? That's fine. I didn't win the job. You, don't, you didn't think I was good enough? That's cool. I'm going to take it upon myself to go somewhere else to bust my ass. I'm going to improve my game. And the next head coach isn't going to have any choice but to play me because my play is going to speak for itself. And I, I think that's the mentality Ryan Helinski will take on. But that was the whole point of me saying that. That was the whole point of me saying that is, uh, you know, that I, I just hope Ryan Helinski has the right mentality because, again, he's a young kid. Um, he's a young kid, and I, I just don't want to see a guy like that getting the, get the blame game and blaming other people for their problems. And, that, and that's, that's when you start to have more problems, and that's when you start to see failures, and that's, that's when you're just beaten mentally. When you start pointing the finger and blaming other people for your problems and you don't take personal responsibility – you're putting yourself in your own mental hell. I mean, not to dive too much too deep into the philosophical stuff, but you know, I'm big on personal development. I read a lot of books like that. And that's one of the big things, you know, when you, when you blame external forces for your problems, you are making yourself susceptible to what those external forces you're letting the, those external forces dictate what you can and cannot do in life. And that's just not the way to operate. So again, without diving too deep into that, I, I wish nothing but nothing but the best for Ryan Alinsky. Um, obviously, we're all grateful to Ryan for what he did at South Carolina, and we all know his family story and and all that stuff, and and that speaks for itself. But uh, you know, it's it's crazy. I, I mean, I would have never guessed this is how his career would have turned out. I mean, I, I never, you know, sitting here a year ago today, I, I would have never imagined that that would have played out the way it did in 2020 but it just goes to show you that you just never know you know what I mean that you know one of the reasons we love college football is that things change so quickly and there's so much drama and you know so much can happen and unfortunately Ryan Holinsky was sort of victim to it this time so um you know it's it's, it's sort of a sort of a shame how things went and uh you know, I, I wish Ryan Holinsky nothing but the best. And again, thank you so much to his family and to him specifically for allowing me to be a part of their lives and to make an impact. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I'm very grateful for that opportunity and grateful for the Holinsky family that they chose to be Gamecocks and that they allowed Gamecock Nation to embrace them. But again, Ryan Holinsky hitting the transfer portal, not something that I'm, I'm very much surprised about. Um, not something I'm very much surprised about, but uh, you know, Still a shame. Still a shame. And I know Gamecock fans will be keeping a very close eye 
on Ryan Holinsky and the way that his quarterback plays out from, uh, you know, the way that his career plays out, I should say, from uh, this this point forward. So, again, well wishes to Ryan Holinsky, Mark, Kim, Kelly, the entire Holinsky family. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, representing the University of South Carolina in the right way. So, all right, let's dive into this. Looking back at 2020, with that being said, I did this last year, and it only felt right to do it again this year. I think it's great, before we move into the new year, to look back and sort of reflect and, you know, say thanks, first of, first of all, but reflect on the good times. Reflect on the best moments and reflect on the positives that happened in the previous year. And I did that in 2019. I thought it was great. And I'll tell you guys, first things first before we get into this. When I look back at 2020, the first thing I want to say is this. Thank you. Thank you to Gamecock Nation. Thank you to fans of the Spurs Up show, supporters, people who shared the content, consumed the content, showed love to the content. Anybody who newly followed in 2020 or been following for the, for a few years, everyone who took time to support, took time out of their day to show love, to tune in, to listen, to download, to retweet, to like, to do it all. Thank you so much to Gamecock Nation. Um, it, it's crazy because last year, you know, I did the top five moments, right, for the Spurs Up show in 2020. As I sat down to do this, I wrote down five moments, and I was like, there's no way I can only do five because we had so many positives that happened throughout 2020. So I've got the top 10 moments for the Spurs Up show. And, uh, again, that just speaks volumes to, you know, none of these successes would be possible without you guys. None of them. Absolutely none of them would be. And, I don't, again, I don't take that for granted. I don't take for granted the people who show love and support. And, again, without you guys – We'd be nothing. Uh, you know, we'd be nothing. So I, I just want to say again, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I, I, I just, I'm so grateful for the love and support that you guys continue to show. And uh, I know you guys will also make 2021 a massive success. And again, especially through this 2020 year that was so up and down, that saw so much adversity. You know, th there was a lot of adversity behind the scenes uh, in regards to, because again, we're talking specifically myself and the Spurs Up show and the business side of things. I mean, as you guys know, being a small business owner in 2020, what a challenge that was. You know, there were a lot of struggles and adversity and things to overcome behind the scenes. And without you guys' love and support and constant love and support, man, even through the quarantine, even through, again, the uncertainties and not knowing if we were going to have sports or anything, you guys continued to show love. And when I was trying to makeshift things and, and make content up and do, do Twitch streams and just kind of do whatever I could to keep it rolling, you guys continue to listen. You continue to tune in. You continue to share it. You continue to like it. You continue to consume the content. And I, I just, again, I, I cannot speak enough. And you guys probably get sick of me, hearing me say it because I say, I feel like I say thank you and I show gratitude on every single podcast. That, that's just how I'm wired. You know what I mean? I, I just, I am very gracious and I have a lot of gratitude and I am very thankful and I don't lose perspective of how special and how valuable that is. So again, guys, thank you so much. I mean, I, I cannot say it enough. Thank you, Gamecock Nation, um, for all of your love and support. With that being said, let's go ahead and dive in these top 10 moments. Top 10 moments for the Spurs Up show in 2020. And these are in no particular order. They're just 10 that I jotted down randomly. I got to start first with, as you guys know, the Spurs Up show, I mean, this business is built off social media, right? I mean, when I started, we had 30 followers on Twitter, didn't have an Instagram page, didn't have a Facebook page. 2020 was a year where we saw a lot of successes 
on social media. And I'm planning on doing this uh, probably sometime later today. You guys might see a graphic. Um, I really want to go through and calculate, excuse me, calculate all the numbers on all of the respective social media platforms, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all that good stuff, and kind of put that together. But overall, the, the highlights that we hit on social media, the social media successes, in February, we hit 10,000 followers on Twitter. In uh, actually the first game, the, the Tennessee game, that day, we hit 15,000 followers on Instagram. And then I'm not exactly sure when this happened, but we hit 10,000 likes on Facebook as well. Again, obviously, it's no secret that social media is the backbone of, of what I do and what we do with the Spurs Up show. And again, that, that's how we get the content out. That's how we share content. That's how we grow as a business. And to hit those numbers, to hit those goals, because obviously those were goals we had set out you know, a while ago, right? And to hit those numbers, um, just a really special thing. So again, thank you guys so much again for the love and support on social media, for help, helping us hit those achievements on all those respective platforms. And I'm, I'm very excited uh, to see in 2021 what, what heights it can grow to. You know what I mean? I, I'm really excited for that as well. All right, let's move to the next one. Next big moment out of the top 10 moments for me, the DJ Swearinger interview. That, that has to be, that, that might be, that's probably one of the best moments in the history of the business all time. Um, getting to sit down and chat with, and, you know, we, we throw the term legend around a lot. You know, that, that's, a, that's a term that can be used loosely a, a little bit from time to time. But DJ Swearinger is a Gamecock legend. Maybe the most popular, maybe the most recognizable, noticeable, notable Gamecock to ever wear the garnet and black on the football field. Getting to sit down and chat with DJ Swearinger for about an hour. Um, but to getting, getting to relive all of our favorite memories as Gamecock fans with the guy that did it, with the guy that made it happen, what an experience. I mean, what an experience that was. And again, I say thank you to you guys because I really think, you know, without the the social media presence and the growth and all that, I'm not sure something like that would be possible. I'm not sure, sure something like that could happen. Um, so thank you to you guys. But man, getting to sit down and talk with DJ and just have casual conversation with literally the GOAT. And I know you guys enjoyed the convo as well because that that episode did fantastic numbers. I mean, it did for good reason. But, man, that interview with DJ Swearinger, you know, I, with all due respect to all the other guests we've had on the show, because we've had some fantastic conversations. I've had the opportunity to chat with some legends. But, man, that DJ Swearinger interview, an all-timer, an absolute all-timer. My next top moment for the Spurs Up show in 2020 actually happened very recently, as recent as a couple weeks ago, the merchandise partnership at Rivals in Florence, South Carolina. Guys, again, thank you for the love and support you showed the merchandise. Obviously, that was a huge success. Um, you know, with Shane Beamer being hired, the Beamer Ball shirts, all aboard the Shane train, the Shane Storm shirts, even the the uh, the uh, the wheels on the bus go round and round shirts. Thank you guys for the love there. Because again, without your support, something like that would not be possible. With that merchandise partnership, at Rivals, man, what a great way to close out the year. I mean, honestly, what a great way to close out 2020 and build that positive momentum going into 2021. I don't have to explain to you guys, I don't think, that the reasons of how big that is for the business. You know what I mean? I, I really had a goal of making merchandise a much bigger piece of the business in 2020. Um, for one, because it's great for business, but for two, I just love doing it. I love making the cool t-shirts. I love making the merchandise. Like, I really do. Um, I love making the merchandise like that. 
and, uh, you know, obviously had those plans and with everything, you know, hitting the fan early in the year, you know, was unable to do that. But, um, you know, being able to make the Beamer merchandise we made and the people at Rivals reaching out and us setting up that partnership and that deal. And I think that's something that's going to be a very long lasting partnership and a very fruitful partnership on both sides. And um, just truly a blessing. You know what I mean? And I'm excited for we've got some big plans for merchandise in 2021. And I'm very excited for what's to come. Um you know, in that regard. But again, guys, thank you so much again, because without you guys supporting the merchandise initially and building that momentum initially, stuff like that wouldn't happen. And thank you to the people at Rivals as well. Um, If you haven't checked it out, Rivals in Florence, South Carolina, they've got all your Beamer merchandise, t-shirts, hoodies, all that good stuff. Be sure to check them out. But yeah, definitely one of the top moments of the year for me and for the business as well. Uh, Another big moment for me, and this kind of goes back to social media successes as well. You know, 2020 was a year of setting records for the Spurs Up show, uh, across all fronts, across all fronts, you know what I mean? Um, but specifically with the podcast and the website, um, we saw over the last few months of 2020, and specifically football season, of course, um, you know, of course, during the football season, that is peak season, if you will, and views are going to go up a little bit and downloads are going to go up a little bit. But to literally set records for the business, for the podcast, for the website. Guys, in November alone, we had 50,000 website views. 50,000, which is incredible. I mean, it crushed, it crushed our previous record set. I think the previous record was around like 30,000. Crushed. We had one article get 30,000 views. And obviously we had some, you know, we had some some help in that regard with uh, the, the coaching stuff happening and all that stuff or whatever, but... Man, just just to set those records and show growth. And as, as I speak to you guys right now, again, I, I'm talking at four o'clock in the afternoon on December the 30th. We are at 35.9, basically 36,000 podcast downloads for the month of December, which for the third straight in a month, th- third straight month in a row, we have set the record for podcast downloads. And again, obviously, for, I, I don't have to explain it. That, that, that's a huge deal. That's a huge deal for the business, for the growth of the business. It shows that the work we're putting in is paying off. The work that I'm putting in is paying off. And again, I just truly, genuinely appreciate all you guys' love, support, everyone who has ever taken a second out of their day to tune in, to show love, um, to consume the content, share the content, all that good stuff, man. It's, it's been awesome to see. So again, definitely setting those records in 2020. Um, truly a blessing, truly a blessing. And without a doubt, one of the best moments of the 2020 calendar year. Um, another big moment for me, and and I don't know if you could, if I can really encapsulate this in one specific like day or moment, if you will, but one of the top moments for the Spurs up show. And for me personally in 2020 was simply just overcoming the pandemic. Um, you know, it's no secret. 2020 was one hell of a year to be a small business owner. I mean, was it not? I'm sure there's many of you listening. Uh, I'm sure there's many of you listening right now that either own small businesses or know someone who owns a small business or know a friend who knows a friend, or maybe you've seen stuff on social media and, you know, people having to close up their doors and businesses that have been, been around for years that, you know, are, 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 are uh, falling apart or having to close shop because of the pandemic and losing money. And we all understand the challenges that 2020 presented and not just to small business owners to everyone, but especially for people who own small businesses. And I fall in that category. And it was sort of ironic because for yours truly, you know, I moved to Columbia in August of 2019. 2020 was my first year 
first full year doing the Spurs Up show full time. And I mean, to think what a year, right? What a first year to have. What a first full year to have doing the business full time. But to me, honestly, guys, overcoming the pandemic, being able to be resilient and fight through it, and it wasn't always perfect at times. And there was uncertainty a lot of times. I mean, I'll be totally honest and transparent with you guys. I was sitting there beginning of August, you know, because we found out about that time that the Big Ten and Pac-12, they were at best postponing their seasons, may have been canceling. I mean, I remember sitting there at that point thinking to myself, dude, if we don't have football, I'm screwed. I mean, I, I really am. I mean, I'm screwed because, yes, we have the platform. Yes, we have the audience. But if you don't have a product – you know, I don't think, again, it's any secret to you guys, the way that the Spurs Up show operates is via sponsorships and partnering with other small businesses, right? So, you know, without a product, how are we going to sell advertising space? How are we going to partner up with any new sponsors? How's it going to happen? And so, you know, I really took on the mentality once this thing hit in March and we went through the summer and all that, you know, I truly do believe in life. You can control, you need to worry about the things you can control. Control what you can control. But I thought to myself, I can control two things right now. That's my attitude and my work ethic. I can stay positive and bust my ass and remain optimistic that things are going to work out and things are going to turn in our favor. And that's what I did. And, you know, again, I spoke to this a little bit earlier, but you guys showing the love that you did, while I really was just trying to make shit, I mean, I, I was just trying to put shit together. You know what I mean? We're sitting there in the quarantine. We got no baseball. We got no basketball. I'm I'm freaking streaming on Twitch and and doing random podcasts, throwback podcasts, watching old games, putting out old, whatever. You know, whatever I could do to create content and create value for you guys. And to you guys, again, everyone that supported, that showed love, that, you know, it, it means so much more than you know. Um, it, it means so much more than you know that you guys were, were there with me, I felt like, every single step of the way. And you guys were supportive every single step of the way. And I have so much confidence now. I have so much confidence going into 2021 with not just the Spurs Up show, but myself personally as a small business owner, because I'll tell you this, guys, and again, this goes out to any small business owner listening, or if you know someone that's a small business owner, maybe you can share this message with them as well. They should have, if you were able to make it through 2020, you are, and excuse my language, you are one bad motherfucker. You are. Nothing can stop you, okay? That's how I feel. Going into 2021, there is nothing we can't overcome because you know, again, half perspective, things could have been much worse, and I totally agree and understand that. But, man, I don't know how much rougher it could really get for small businesses than it got in 2020. I really don't. I mean, with the whole quarantine and the shutdown and all that, I don't know how much tougher it could really get. So as a small business owner, as a small business as a whole, if you were able to get through 2020, and I said this 100 times, it was a hustler's paradise. It was truly a hustler's paradise. And if you were able to make it work, again, I say this to anybody listening who's a small business owner, if you know people that are, kudos to you, man. You're a bad motherfucker. That's what I'm telling you right now. Kudos to you. Kudos to me. Kudos to us all. But again, thank you to you guys. Because without you, I wouldn't have gotten through quarantine. I wouldn't. The business may not have survived it. I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. But the fact that we were able to that, really that, what, six-month period, be resilient. 
and battle through it, man. That's what it felt like. We're just battling. We're fighting. You know what I mean? We're scratching. We're clawing. We're, we're staying positive. We're staying optimistic, and we're working our asses off. And you guys, again, were there every step of the way, and we were able to – I really felt like we were able to beat it. We were able to overcome the pandemic, get to football season, have a full football season, and what a blessing that was. So, again, thank you guys. Seriously, thank you. Because without your love and support, I don't know what the future of the business would have looked like. But now – Going into 2021, dude, I am so confident. I am so freaking confident in what we have going, what the, the plans that we have, everything we want to achieve. Honestly, I, the, the positive momentum is through the roof for me. So, again, thank you guys. Without your love and support, who knows? Who knows where we'd be right now? Uh, another top moment for me for the Spurs Up show in 2020. Without a doubt, the watch parties at Overtime Bar and Grill. And I, I want to mention – overtime bar and grill specifically as well because I talked about the pandemic and I talked about everything that went on and again you guys probably noticed I mean we didn't pick up a new sponsor from the moment the pandemic happened all the way until mid-August and that sponsor was overtime bar and grill and I want to say sincerely thank you to those guys because they caught me at a time where I needed it you know what I mean we needed it as a business we had to have it and uh you know, we were able to do the partnership with them um, all throughout football season, all the watch parties, and of course, with COVID, with really not being able to attend the games. Now, yes, I did go to a few later in the season, but, uh, you know, it made it really difficult to attend games with limited capacity and all that. Overtime Bar and Grill, they were a fantastic host, getting to go there, do pregame shows, postgame shows, interact with the staff there, getting to know uh, getting to know Daisy and that entire staff there working behind the bar and the, the people that run that place. They do a phenomenal job and getting to experience games in that venue and, you know, had some great moments and great memories there. And so, and then everyone that came out that I interacted with, that we were able to chat with and talk Gamecocks and cheer on the Gamecocks and, and live through the highs and suffer through the lows and all that good stuff. Um, the watch parties at Overtime Bar and Grill definitely stand out to me as, um, you know, it's without a doubt one, one of the best, you know, one of the best memories and one of the best moments for sure of the 2020 year. Uh, on that note as well, another big moment, another top moment for me in 2020, you know, dating all the way back to January, all the way through the last football game, just all of the fan interactions at sporting events. Because, you know, that was honestly, for me, guys, that was the thing that I missed most um, from quarantine and not being able to go to football games for really the first half of the season. The support, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here or whatever, but the support that I have received going out to Carolina basketball, baseball, and even football later in the season, the support from people coming up saying, hey, you're the Spurs Up Show guy. Hey, do you want to take a picture with us? Hey, I appreciate what you do for Gamecock, Gamecock Nation. Hey, I appreciate what you do as a whole. Like, I mean, people's coming up and saying that, bro. It's like overwhelming. I mean, it's wild. It really is. It's wild. And it's, it's a blessing. And I truly love coming in contact with everybody I've ever come in contact with, talking Gamecocks, hearing their story, you know, and a simple just saying thank you to people. Um, you know, later in the season, I was able to pass out like business cards and stuff. I was like, damn, I'm going to be meeting people. I need business cards, right? We got to be le legit. We got to be official. But getting to chat with you guys, I mean, everybody who took a second out of their time at any sporting event or any time period to say what's up, to shake my hand, to say that they, you know, just to show love, um, man, just means the world, means the world. It, it's just so, fl it's so flattering. It's so overwhelming in a sense. Um, so cool. And something I will never take for granted, man. That's something that'll never get old to me. So again, 
Thank you guys so much. And if you ever see me out at a game, honestly, man, I would just say, like, say what's up. Holler. I would love to chat with you. Um, it's, it's always a pleasure to chat with the fans and, and chat with Gamecock fans and, and talk Gamecocks and, and, and just intermingle with, with, you know, with people. You know what I mean? I love meeting new people. So I, I really appreciate, guys, all the love you guys showed. Again, not just through social media and the podcast and all that, but in person. I mean, that, that, was, that was incredible. That was incredible. And I look forward to more of that in 2021. Another big moment for the Spurs Up show in 2020. I have to mention this, but the Daily Crow and the success of the Daily Crow. You know, it's really interesting. People might look at the Daily Crow and think, oh, it's like a new thing. It's a new piece of content he's doing, blah, 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 whatever. It's really not. Dude, I was doing the Daily Crow, God, back in like 2018. And when it started, you know, I was doing it daily on just Periscope. And it would be about 10 minutes or so. And I'd talk about whatever topic it was. And it sort of evolved from that to, you know, I was doing the Daily Crow with the position unit previews in 2019. And it was still just Periscope. Really didn't dive into YouTube at all. Didn't dive into Facebook Live at all. And then this year came about. And shout out to my buddy Justin Sutherland, by the way. Really good buddy of mine. I hope he doesn't mind me dropping his name. But a really good friend of mine lives up in Anderson. He suggested getting more involved in YouTube. And we did. We did at the end of, actually, actually the end of last year and the beginning of this year, definitely. And I was still very green at it with YouTube. You know, I'd use, I had used YouTube a little bit here and there. Um, and that's another thing I want to point out, by the way. I didn't mention this in social media successes earlier, but hitting 1,000 subscribers on YouTube and the fact that we're able to monetize YouTube now. What a moment that was for the Spurs Up show in this calendar year. Thank you guys so much. But again, that was sort of the start, right? Was figuring out this whole Daily Crow thing. And I'm like, how can we integrate YouTube? You know, I want to make YouTube. I, I always knew YouTube was important, but I'm like, how do I make YouTube more of a thing for the Spurs Up show? And you know, we got into quarantine, whatever, and it was really just about sustaining and trying to, you know, sustain the business success we had built, whatever, and just sustain, sustain, sustain. And I had the idea of, okay, I've always wanted to do an interactive radio show, a call-in radio show. And Rowdy Rooster Radio was born. And there was a social media account or whatever that they had done it. They had used blogtalkradio.com, which no disrespect to them or whatever. I mean, it's a solid platform. But, you know, we did that for about a month. And the platform wasn't quite what I wanted it to be. But guys, as you know, and if you don't know this, you should, but the way that I operate, I love to fail. And here's what I mean by that. I love trying out different pieces of content. This goes for content, merchandise. This goes for life in general. But I'm someone, I believe in the power of failing because you learn when you fail. And so while Rowdy Rooster Radio maybe wasn't the success that I hoped it would be because listen, the numbers were not great. We had some people call in every now and then, but the numbers were not, you know, extraordinary or anything. But what Rowdy Rooster Radio provided, it served as the spark for the idea that became the Daily Crow. You know, I finally discovered StreamYard. I don't know where I had been for so long, but I finally discovered the StreamYard platform. And you know, the ability to go live across multiple channels, including YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. And that was a game changer. That's been a game changer. I mean, the Daily Crow has been a massive success. It has been truly a massive success. You know, we're getting over 100 people a day. And, and, I, and I, let me rephrase that because I, I want to give credit where credit's due. 
as I'm live at any time over the hour-long stream, there are 100 people at least tuned in live. So you think of how many people are actually tuning in as a whole. And it's done wonders for our growth on Facebook and building up that that really, I, I would say, that passionate side of the fan base. Not that all people aren't passionate, but really, you know, we've got people that tune in every single day and are asking questions every single day and are calling in. And, man, it's just – I. I it's been a blessing, dude. It's just been awesome. The Daily Crow has been a massive success. And again, I say this to you all. Thank you to you guys for all tuning in, for making it what it's become. Because again, the Daily Crow, it wouldn't be successful without people tuning in, leaving questions, and calling in. Because I said this about the radio thing. I don't want to go live for an hour and just me ramble. I ramble here. I ramble on the podcast. I love the aspect of the banter. I love the aspect of fielding questions. I love the aspect of people calling in and us debating and going back and forth and and giving our sides of things. You know, I love that side of it. I've always thought what Paul Feinbaum did was so cool. Granted, I don't tune into Paul Feinbaum's show every day, but I've always thought like that setup was really cool. And so to get to do that, because that's basically what we're doing on the Daily Crow, to get to do that, just, it's been a blessing, man. It's been awesome. I can't wait to see, you know, what's next and the, the growth and the successes that lie ahead for that platform, for that streaming content we've been doing I, I just can't wait I really can't wait so again guys thank you so much for the love and support there my next top moment for the Spurs up show in 2020 and listen you might you guys might let out a collective sigh some of you might some of you might let out a laugh I don't know but I would be remiss to not mention this okay and so one of my top moments for the Spurs up show in 2020 was not quite the moment it happened, but really the aftermath of Will Muschamp's dismissal as head football coach. And, and let me explain, because again, I do not want this to sound like that one of the top moments was Will Muschamp losing his job. Like again, people get this so twisted in their mind, they take it so personal, they think I'm stomping on this guy's grave and, I, and I'm taking it to a personal level. I'm not. But here is the simple reality and fact for you guys. For the business, views have never been higher. Engagement has never been higher. Like, those sequence of events happening. Because you know what? For better or for worse, and I looked back at my top moments from 2019 when I did this a year ago, and I'm surprised I didn't, I didn't mention the Fire Muschamp video that came out after the North Carolina game. I didn't mention it. Which is, I look back now and I can't believe I didn't. Because honestly, guys, again, you can say whatever you want about me, about the brand, about the business, whatever. You can read Twitter comments. You can read comments for days. I don't care what you read. But the fact of the matter is this. That fire must champ sequence of events, probably the best thing to ever happen to my business. Probably the best thing that ever happened. And again, that's not why I did it. It was just a genuine emotional reaction, a fan reacting to his team losing in the fashion we did, but that aftermath was, you know, again, it's no secret. It was a huge turning point for the business. And for better or for worse, I got labeled as the quote-unquote fire Muschamp guy, right? That, that's just what happened. But when Will Muschamp was relieved of his duties, I list this moment on here for multiple reasons. Number one, the aftermath of Will Muschamp's dismissal in the regards of smoking a stogie in the studio going live after the fact and having a 1,000 people tune into the live, the numbers that were done on the podcast that week, having the opportunity to go on national radio stations, 
Fox Sports Radio down in uh, down in Fort Lauderdale or Tampa or whatever, down in South Florida, and going on ESPN Upstate, getting talked about that. Also having the opportunity to talk with a couple of USC students that are journalism students and do an interview with them. And again, just that aftermath of that happening. That was a big moment for me. That was a big moment for the business and for the Spurs Up show. And again, I wish Will Muschamp nothing but the best. It's nothing personal, as we all know. But, and I would say this. It was a top moment for the Spurs Up show because of this reason as well. And if you take nothing else away from it, take this away. The aftermath of Will Muschamp's firing was a top moment because it was finally finished and it's finally done. And I don't have to be the Will Muschamp, the fire Will Muschamp guy anymore. I don't have to be the fire Will Muschamp guy anymore because I'm sure a lot of you, I'm sure a lot of you, and I've gotten DMs from people, I've noticed. There's been a little bit of a different tone in the content lately, right? There's been a different tone in talking about Gamecock football and Shane Beamer and what's going on. And it's not that I did not want to have that tone previously, but I call it like I see it. That's just how I am. That's what I built my business around. I've always been genuine from the beginning. And guess what? I'm going to continue to be genuine. That's just how I'm wired. I'm going to be me. Right, wrong, or indifferent, through successes and failures, I'm going to be me, bottom line. But I'm just so happy that I don't have to spend a large portion of 2021 and this football offseason being the fire must champ guy. I get to close that chapter, if you will, recognize it, acknowledge it, be thankful for it, but move on to this next chapter and be optimistic and look forward and have hope and look forward to what Shane Beamer is building in Columbia. Like that, guys, I mean, again, I, I, it's so funny because, again, it, the, the comments are so funny, but I, I've seen people before say, oh, you, you, know, you, you love Will Muschamp losing games. You love South kind of losing. You, know, you love the whole fire Muschamp thing, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you couldn't be further from the truth. I want nothing but South Carolina to win. That's all I want. And so, again, to move off of that, and to have hope and be optimistic and be positive and have reasons to feel those ways without having to, like, you know, be fake about it, basically. It's, it's just such a breath of fresh air. I know you guys all feel it as well. Again, let's wrap up with the final moment. Top 10 moments of the Spurs Up show in 2020. My, my final moment I want to mention, and again, this one goes all the way back to baseball season. But... You know, we partnered up, one of our biggest sponsors, we partnered up in January, and we, we were able to throw an opening day tailgate for baseball season. You know, I, I just, again, thinking back on moments, that's a moment that really sticks out to me um, from this year. And really, one of the big reasons it sticks out is because that was the last of its kind. You know, we, we didn't have tailgating after the pandemic. There hadn't been tailgating. So the ability to throw that tailgate you know people came out said what's up you know it was opening day for baseball which obviously gets me going as you guys know um had a good buddy of mine Bobby Haney out there former Gamecock baseball player we had a couple other former Gamecock baseball players stop by uh specifically Alex Destino you know Reed Morgan um Ridge Chapman stopped by had a really good time you know what I mean had a really really good time uh, had a couple contributors come by you know just 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 people just enjoying themselves on, on, a, on a nice Friday afternoon 
And getting to do that tailgate, man, and the fans stopping by too and saying what's up and getting a chat with you guys, it, it was just a blast. Getting to talk baseball. And you know, obviously, I've, I've got a soft spot for baseball, as I think you guys all know. I'm a baseball guy at heart. But, uh, man, just awesome. And, again, I, I hate that we weren't able to do more stuff like that because the plan was to do tailgates for every single football game. And we were unable to do that because of obvious reasons. But, uh, you know, that, that was a great moment. That was a great moment for sure. So, again, that wraps it up, guys. Top 10 moments for the Spurs Up show in 2020. Like I said, I, it's it's a blessing because I sat down and was like, okay, we'll do top five moments just like last year. And I got through five, and I'm like, dude, there's no way. I mean, there's no way. I can't just limit it to five moments. So, um, again, guys, I just want to say again, on the last day of 2020 here, Happy New Year's Eve to y'all. Um, I know, again, there's a lot of turmoil happening in 2020 with the pandemic and COVID, and we're still kind of dealing with it now. And there were a lot of ups and a lot of downs for people. I mean, call it for what it is. There was a lot of struggle. There was a lot of adversity. And again, for the business owners out there, the small business owners, I know you dealt with adversity and you dealt with struggle, but we made it, folks. We made it. If you're sitting here today listening, we made it. We got through it. We overcame it. And I want to leave you with this, that you know what? You should... Be proud of yourself, whoever you are. I don't care what you do, what line of work you're in. If you're a student, if you're in high school, if you, you know, if you're just nine to five, you know, the, the normal working job, whatever you are. If you, if you're a small business owner, if you're the CEO of a Fortune 500, I don't care who you are. You know, if you're a mom, dad, brother, sister, whatever. If you were able to get through 2020 successfully, which if you're listening right now, you did. Kudos to you. Congratulations. You know, you you made it through probably what's going to be the toughest year of your entire life. And, you know, that should fire you up and excite you and give you confidence for what's to come in 2021. That, you know what, we are people who are resilient. And this goes out not just to us, you know, on the show today, but just for people in general, the American people, the world. You know, we're resilient people. You know, we're resilient. We're, we're built to overcome. We are. We are built to overcome adversity, to overcome obstacles, to, to rise above our limits. I really believe that. I think we are. And, uh, you know, I, I wish you all nothing but the best in 2021, obviously. Um, you know, we all, we, none of us really know what's to come. There's still going to be some uncertainty. Just, you know, just because the calendar flips, by the way, I want to say this. Make sure you're carrying the right attitude into 2021. Because just because the calendar flips, you know, I, I've seen this attitude a little bit. And I think it's a little bit misguided. And that some people think, oh, you know, well, the calendar's slipping. So all of a sudden, all my problems are going to go away. Make sure you're bringing the right attitude to the table in 2021. Because if your attitude doesn't change, if you've noticed your attitude has gotten, if, you, if you've gotten into like a dark place and, and you're, you're, you're just not feeling 100%, you're not happy, and you're not positive, you're not optimistic, and you're letting outside forces, external forces, like I said, you're letting those things affect you and get you down and, 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 and ham, you know, uh, you know, uh, hamper your, your inner peace. If you're letting those things happen, it don't matter if the calendar flips. You got to change your attitude. You got to change the way you perceive things. You got to change your perspective. You got to. And change your attitude. And then that way you can change your reality in 2021. So, again, guys, I wish you all nothing but the best. Hope you have a fantastic New Year's Eve. Whether you're going to a party, like I said, keeping it low-key. Just be sure you're safe, responsible. I want to talk to you guys tomorrow on the podcast. But, again, Thank you guys so much, seriously, as we chat on the last day of 2020 through the ups, through the downs. You guys have been there every single step of the way, and I am so excited and so fired up and have so much confidence for myself personally, for the Spurs Up show, the business, everything as a whole, 
I am so fired up for 2021. Um, and, I, and I'll say this in closing. I'll say this in closing. As crazy as this may sound to some of you, I would say 2020 was the best year of my life to this point, believe it or not. I turned 30 this year. And this was honestly the best year of my life. And, and some of you are probably like, Chris, that's just blasphemous. What are you talking about? Dude, because of you guys, by the way, I want to give all the credit where it's due. Because of you guys and your love and support, I was able to live my dream out for the entire year. I mean, I was self-sufficient as a small business owner for the entire year, for an entire calendar year, for the first time in my entire life. And guys, that's a blessing. And that makes it the best year of my entire life. I got to wake up 365 times this year and do what I love to do and chase my goals and chase my passions. And again, I give all the credit to you guys because again, without your love, without your support, none of it would be possible. So again, thank you all so much. Happy New Year's Eve to you all. I'll see you next year. Ha <laughs> No, just kidding. Now, we got a great conversation for you guys. Former Gamecocks running pitcher Will Crow Will taking his time to chat with me. And guys, it's really awesome. Whenever you get a major leaguer, literal big leaguer on the show, that is big time news. And Will, obviously, very gracious with his time. An awesome conversation, guys. So sit back, relax, enjoy. And thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks running pitcher Will Crow. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks baseball from 2014 to 2017. During his Gamecocks career, he had a 17-12 and 12 overall record, 3.48 ERA. He threw 235 and a third innings for the Gamecocks. He was drafted in the second round, the 65th pick overall by the Washington Nationals in the 2017 MLB draft. Made his MLB debut just a few months ago for the Nats on August the 22nd, 2020. As recently as Christmas Eve, was traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates. What a way to spend Christmas. Mr. Will Crow joining me here on the airwaves. Will, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to uh, have you on. Pleasure to chat with you here today. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be a part. I'm looking forward to, looking forward to this, man. Yeah, and for those that can't see, obviously can't see the video portion. I'm rocking the Pirates gear. Will's rocking the Gamecocks gear. So we got all bases covered right now um, in regards to representation. But let's let's go back all the way to the beginning for you, Will, because you're a guy, a lot of people don't know, you're from the state of Tennessee. Um, you went to Pigeon Forge High School, came to South Carolina, obviously. Um, talk about your recruiting process. Again, you got there in 2014. I'd imagine, you know, the recruiting process in baseball, it starts – so early, as you know, I mean, I'm sure you were a guy that was getting contacted when you're like a freshman, stuff like that. And, you know, you were watching the Gamecocks in the midst of, you know, their greatest run ever, winning back-to-back national titles, going three straight times. Just talk about the recruiting process like for you. When did South Carolina come up and what made you want to be a Gamecock? Yeah, so like you said, as baseball starts kind of early. And even now, I think it's earlier than it was before. Um, when I was going through it, I was a freshman. I mean, I, I, was, I wasn't throwing 90 or anything, but I, I was throwing mid-80s. And, you know, those guys are playing off projections then. And my first school actually was College of Charleston, and it was Coach Monty Lee. And um, he kind of came onto the scene and was like, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna offer you the scholarship. You know, this I would love for you to be here, yada, yada, you know, that whole nine yards. And uh, my high school head coach was a very, like, his, both of his kids played D1 baseball. Uh, both of his older kids they all are like baseball gurus like everyone I'm still are in the game like they're all about it but uh he he was big on saying hey take your time once you commit 
that's your word. Like his mm-hmm. thing was like, your word is all you got. So like, right. as soon as you commit, there's no turning back. Like there's no decommitting. There's no, none of this. So it was like, all right, I'm going to take my time. And he said, he said, um, he said, make sure you, uh, you really know where you want to go. So um, end up being like Alabama and Kentucky and then went to Atlanta PGA, like perfect game national mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. And um I was someone contacted him. He's a very, very close. And they said, Hey, don't commit. Don't do anything crazy. You know, somebody's calling you tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, it's, it's a big team. And then the next thing I know is coach Esposito is calling me the first day's a lot of contact me. Um, two days later, I'm pitching in Atlanta, Ray Tanner and coach Holbrook are, are at my start. Right. And I'm like 16, 17 years old. I'm freaked out. And then they're, they basically, um, called me and said, we want to get you on campus. You know, I think it was like a dead period at the time. All they could do was like watch. And they called me to campus and uh, I was actually on my way to Charleston for a baseball tournament and uh, stopped for like a couple hours, saw the campus, saw everything. And I don't know, I've been to like six different places and I told them, I said, can I walk out on, like, I want to walk out on the field and just see what it, what it's like. And uh, they're like, yeah, no, no problem at all. And as soon as I walked out, like out of the dugout and like, something in my body just like changed like my my whole demeanor my whole like attitude my body like I got cold chills and it just felt like home and it felt like a place I wanted to be and before I even got back up inside I was telling my coach I was like I want to go here like this is where I want to be you know and he was like all right take a day or two you know you got that initial you know initial like you're at the place you want to go now and we took like two or three days I was in Charleston and coach over ended up coming and watching me play again and it was actually the day he got named the head coach. Mm-hmm. And I, I told him he, he left the field a little early. I called him. I said, Hey, can you come back? He was about 10 minutes down the road. He drove back and I told him face to face. I said, I want to be, I'm going to be a Gamecock. I'm committing. And um, funny thing is he was like, well, I'm, I'm super glad you called me. He told me to come back. Um, I would love to sit here and have a conversation and, you know, get dive into this stuff, but I'm going to be, named the head coach today and he drove back up to, <laughs> to Columbia and an hour later, you know, he's, he's named the head coach. So. So did that ever deter you? I mean, as far as obviously it sounds like you had a great relationship with coach Holbrook and everything. And I, I know like everybody I've talked to all, you know, your former teammates, stuff like that, they all seem to really adore coach Holbrook and everything, but did it ever, did, did Ray Tanner's retirement surprise you? Did it ever, did it ever wane? Like as far as make you question your commitment or anything, or was it just like, full steam ahead no matter what no I, I at the beginning of it I I was thinking it was going to be uh Ray and then right. about a week before I committed they were like hey we just want to know Ray's making a transition you know he's okay. he's going to become the AD and uh Chad really was him and Sammy were like to me the two that kind of led me the whole way through my three four weeks of the recruiting process so mm-hmm. I knew as soon as as soon as he told me that, I was like, I, it, that didn't matter. I, I wanted to be at South Carolina. I want to be a part of that tradition, you know. And and for me, like you said, it was coming off the three national national championship appearances in a row, two wins and a second. And then uh, to me, I always have, have valued winning, you know. Like, I, that's a big thing for me. I could have went in my backyard in Tennessee and, and been right there at home. And, you know, I'd probably paid a similar amount to go to school, you know. And um, – big thing for me was I didn't want to go somewhere and not enjoy myself and lose, you know, and they're a great program now, but um, 
at the time they were in a, in a, in a lull. And I just didn't want to, I didn't want to have to go and, and struggle like that. And I knew that South Carolina was getting the best players, had the best facilities, had the best coaches, you know, and to me, being able to go in and win immediately was a big, was a big thing for me. For sure. And you got off to a quick start, Will. I want to say you get on campus, obviously, 2014, your freshman year. You started 15 games, went 8-3 and three with a 2.75 ERA, threw over 91 innings for South Carolina. You got freshman All-American honors from Baseball America, SEC Freshman of the Week, SEC Pitcher of the Week. I mean, you were, you were named to the NCAA Regional All-Tournament team. What clicked for you? I mean, you, you obviously hit the ground running. You were a big part of the Gamecocks rotation your freshman year. I mean, what what clicked for you specifically? Because, again, we all know, and guys have told me, that jump from high school to SEC baseball, that's a real thing. I mean, it's – you know, I'm sure you can relate to this. It's like playing double A. I mean, that's literally what SEC baseball is. Um, but, yeah, what made the transition so seamless for you, you think? I just think that uh, the culture, you know, we had such a great group of guys. And uh, from the beginning, from when I came in, you know, I had, you know, Gumby and I had Jack Linecoop and Grayson Griner and Joey Pink. I had all these guys that kind of took me under their wing and, you know – made me feel super comfortable. And then you get in and it's, it's all about competing when you get there, you know? And um, to me, that's, that's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to have a chance to, to compete and play and, you know, let, let that, let that like run its course. And uh, Chad brought me in, you know, mid middle of the fall. And he said, Hey, you keep doing your thing. You keep, you keep competing. You keep working your butt off. You're going to, you're going to have a, a place on this team this year. You're going to have a lot of, a, a lot of innings for us. And um, he said, I don't know if you'll be in the bullpen. I don't know if you're going to start, but we're going to, we're going to give you innings and we need you. And he said, you just keep doing what you're doing and work your butt off. And, you know, from the head coach all the way down to the 35th guy on our team, you know, to Billy Anderson, one of the, the greatest strength coaches ever, you know, it's like everybody, you know, filtering confidence and loving each other and just being a part. And it, it was that team mentality that we had that, you know, made everyone better and that's that that year I mean I think we started off like 20 29 and 0 or something and like number <laughs> right. one team in history. and like that wasn't because we were you know the most talented but we always played for each other and like the Clemson game at Clemson that year on a on a that was a, sat, a Sunday we're down you know five to four or four to two in the in the eighth inning two outs and like as soon as it got there, everyone in the dugout was like, we know we aren't going to lose this game. Mm-hmm. And it's like hit here, hit there, you know, go ahead in the ninth, bring in Joel, Joel said and Cody Mincy. And it's like game over. You didn't have to worry about it. So it was that, that team atmosphere really took it, took it over the top. For sure. You talked about again in the recruiting process, when you walked out uh, on Founders Park, obviously beautiful, amazing facility. When you walked out there, you felt that rush of emotion and, you know, the goosebumps and everything. Do you remember your first outing, at Founders Parlor, what what was that like for you to actually get out there? You're wearing the pinstripes or whatever, and and have your first outing as a Gamecock. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's I'll never forget it. You know, it's, it's seven thousand people. It was a Sunday. Um, right. It's either I think it was um, oh man, Campbell. No, Campbell was the the um the regional, regional. game. Yeah. Um, it was it was like Brown or one of those colleges, right, right. and I forget the college, but I don't forget the game. I, I think I went like. Six and a third. I didn't give up a hit, or five and a third didn't go up a hit. And there's seven thousand people there. And um, the song "Clocks" by Coldplay. They right. coach uh, Coach Holbrook or Coach Myers comes out to take me out, and the song Coldplay comes on, and I get chills. They run down my back, and I start walking off the field, and everybody's giving me a standing O, and I'm like, "Holy!" Like I'll never forget <laughs> walking. Off the field. I was like, 
this is awesome. This is why you come to South Carolina. This is why you want to be here because mm. some of the best fans or the best fans in my mind mm. and like just always mm-hmm. there for you. Like it was just an incredible feeling. Now I, I want to move Will to your sophomore year because obviously with all the success you had, it did not come without overcoming adversity. Um, 2015, your sophomore year, you started out the year three and four, you know, back in the rotation, whatever, but you had surgery, missed the rest of the 2015 season and missed 2016. I mean, you were out the entire, basically a year and a half, if you will. Talk about the injury. I know it was obviously uh, elbow surgery. I'm assuming, was it Tommy John? Um, yeah. You can kind of fill us in on that and just, I mean, again, it's the mental grind that, that really gets you. You know what I mean? Obviously, sitting out that long. I, mean, I imagine you probably didn't throw in a competitive game, I mean, for over a year. Just talk about, again, dealing with that, battling that, overcoming that adversity. Because, again, you have that great freshman season. You're thinking to yourself, you're just going to roll back out there, do it again the sophomore year, and all of a sudden it pops, and you know, and that's it. So, I mean, just just talk about overcoming that. Yeah, it was it was, it was was tough, you know, Um you get you get in there and they they do the surgery and everything and it's we don't know like the yeah. success rate now I think is a lot better than it was five years ago but um, it was kind of up in the air you know you're gonna you gotta work your butt off to get back to where you want to be you gotta do this and do that and to me it was a job it was um, like I didn't get to go on the field and I didn't get to be in the weight room with the guys and I I didn't get all that you know to me my working out and my my daily grind was to go in there with Brainerd and you know kick it for two hours and what he told me to do, I did. And, you know, cause I wanted to get back and I wanted to be on the field and I wanted to play. And, um, you know, it comes with the support system, you know, the team, the guys, they were still there for me and they, you know, some of my best friends and then my wife. Now we, we end up not far, not long after I had the surgery, I ended up moving in and moving into her, our, her condo with her. And like, she was super supportive of me and always, you know, I had a recliner in her house cause I had to sleep in it for three weeks. It's like, it's so funny. She says, she says, I'm going to get that recliner and put you back on it when I make her mad now. So it's kind of funny, but, um, you know, just the support system I had from my family to her family, to my teammates, to the coaches, you know, that, that, and just going in every day and knowing, Hey, this is your job. This is, if you want to get back to where you were, this is what you got to do. And, um, you know, just trying to help the guys as much as I can, you know, that's all I was really able to do is just be there for them, like supporting them. And then, you know, going into the training room every day and working at it like it was my job. Mm. For sure. Let's switch gears a little bit. We talked a little bit about the South Carolina Clemson baseball rivalry. And I, I would say I think it's the best rivalry in all of college baseball and as far as intensity. I mean, that's truly – that's a super regional super regional environment when those two teams play. Just talk about, again, your experiences in the rivalry, um, you know, what that was like for you. Because, again, you were a guy coming from Tennessee. I mean, I'm sure you weren't really – you know, all that familiar with the rivalry outside of like South Carolina and Clemson playing in Omaha and stuff like that, but actually being a part of it, what was that like for you? You know, it's, it's, you can't really explain it. You know, it's something that, that you get out there. And for me, I, I, I didn't have that. Like I'm from South Carolina. I, I like South Carolina, not Clemson. Or, and when, when I came in, it was, you know, Joey and Grayson were the two that were like, we don't like these guys. <laughs> we, we don't mess with these guys. Like, we, when we go out there, we go out there to kill them, you know, we go out there to, to beat them. And like, that's the end of it. And then, you know, you get in there and the, I think that Friday night game Gumby's throwing against their Friday night guy and it's in South, it's in our park. And, you know, we're going back and forth, back and forth. And I think we might've brought in Mincy or something and, or somebody. And, and I think they got a hit by pitch. And it was like, that was the first time I'd really recognize it. Cause it was like their, their guys stood up. Our guys, like we stood up, like it was like, 
nails like mm. what's going on here like <laughs> get, get this let's go you know we were all ready to go and like you see the videos and the omaha and the old videos of all the times that we played them and you know it's just it's an electric atmosphere and it's it's something you can't really explain unless you you're there you're in it and um it's just an awesome feeling. It's one of the, like you said, it's the greatest college baseball rivalry, in my opinion. I don't, I don't think anything compares and matches up. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you. So let's move to your junior year, Will, because, again, you suffered the injury, but you overcame the adversity. I'm not sure if this was a Friday or what day it was, but, again, you come into your junior season, which, again, I think this speaks to, you know, how good of a prospect you were, how good of a player you were, obviously, your character, and overcoming, again, that adversity. You were a 2017 preseason All-American Third-team preseason All-American by Baseball American. You didn't even pitch the year before, but you come in that year, you throw five scoreless, seven strikeouts, and a 5-1 win over UNCG, and again, you finally get back out in the field. Just talk about that because, again, it's that mental grind, overcoming that. You finally get back out in the bump, and you have a successful return. I'm sure that was something where it was like really a rush of emotion for you. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not one to throw, you know, upper nineties. And I remember the first pitch, you know, I, I, I'm out there all on adrenaline on steam, you know, just, just ready to go. And um, I think that first pitch I threw was like 97, like over the top, like, like catchers jumping out of squat, you know, and it's like, all right, we're back, you know, we're here. Let's, let's go. You know, it's finally back in that like real game atmosphere. It's, it's go time. And, um, once, once that first pitch was gone, man, it, it was, it was back to competing, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I'm out here trying to win this game for my guys and try and do my best for my guys. And that's all I was worried about. And, uh, like, like you said, I had a good, I had a good game. It was good to get back out there and, um, fight those emotions. And, and I was super excited about it. That's, that's another one that's, that'll always, always stick with me. Now, would you say Tommy John helped you? I mean, you were one of the guys that you saw a velo jump. Because, I, I mean, again, that's not always the case, but you do hear of a lot of guys that they come back throwing harder. I mean, was that was that it for you, I would say? or? I mean, yeah. I mean, when I came back, I threw – I was probably 90, 92 as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, and that first, you know, that, that, that year, that first year I came back, I was four to six a lot of the time, you know, touching sevens. And, uh, I mean, even now, like – Oh, I'm off the adrenaline rush and all that good stuff. And, but I'm still, I mean, I can still get 95, you know? So I would say, yeah, it helped me. The thing is, is when you go through Tommy John, you're not like building up your elbow, you're building up your shoulder and you're doing all these like little muscles in your shoulder that you've one probably never worked out before. So you get all these little muscles stronger and things, and it just helps with the recovery side and it helps with the transitional side of, you know, getting your body into better shape or getting your arm into better shape. And you're just letting that ligament, you know, kind of heal. And then your, your shoulder is really getting stronger. So, yeah, I think if you do it the right way and you do it, do it with the right people, with the right training, you're, mm-hmm. there's no way you're not going to come back stronger because more than likely you haven't, you know, trained your body that way before for 16 months. Yeah, minor setback for a major comeback, for sure. It's crazy how something like that can turn out to be probably the best thing that ever happened to you. I want to talk a little bit about that junior year, Will, because, again, um, you were a big piece, yet again, went 6-5 and with a 3.41 ERA. But I want to ask you, because I remember specifically about that 2017 season, and when you think back, and I'm sure you you think the same way, but when you think back, it is crazy to see the guys you played with and where they are now. I mean, Clark Schmidt, look what he's doing. Adam Hill 
and you keep going down the list hitters, Alex Destino and these other guys. And like that team, Tyler Johnson, I remember that team was ranked in the top five in the preseason. And then the season went the way it did injury after injury, after injury, after losing this Sunday, that's it, it felt like every weekend was coming down to the final game. And, and you guys, for whatever reason, just, it was just ball wasn't bouncing your way. I mean, just talk about that junior season again. I know you didn't close your career the way you necessarily wanted, at least team wise. I mean, how difficult was it going to that season? Because again, it just all the preseason expectations and then the injury bug hits and it just felt like it was a snowball that just got out of control that year. Yeah, it's just it's frustrating. You know, you you like you said, we were we had a we had a bunch of studs on that team. Yeah. And uh, I think we had maybe one of our best, you know, like talent-wise teams maybe people people were saying before that season that they thought that was the best Gamecocks pitching staff of all time, like weekend rotation with Clark, you and then Adam Hill, which I mean, you could realistically debate that. I, I mean, I, I will give you that. You could debate that. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we we were we were stacked, um, and like you said, we the ball didn't fall our way sometimes. You know, we got into some bad predicaments sometimes. You know, and we we beat ourselves sometimes. But um, you know, it it was frustrating. But you know, it's, it's baseball. You know, I think big thing that like even Ray came in my freshman year and would told us this, and Chad would always say it was. You know, in the SEC, you play 30 games. You know, you're going to win 10, you're going to lose 10. Mm-hmm. It's those other 10 that really determine what happens. And it just so happened that those other 10, we were like, I think we were like three and seven. And if you look at it, we probably lost, you know, those seven games that we lost were probably by a run or by the ball not falling our way or, you know, a blue pit here and something happening here. It's not like we were getting boat raced or anything, but like you lose – your Friday night guy who ends up being a first rounder, you know, you lose Tyler Johnson, who's a fifth rounder throwing a hundred, you, you lose him for half the year. You know? right. um, just, just so, so many things like Madison Stokes, most of that year was hurt. Like just a lot of things just didn't fall our way. And, you know, that's just baseball sometimes. Yeah. And unfortunately that's the way it is. And you, we, we hated it, but then you look next year, the following year, you know, you, you still have Adam Hill, you still got a lot of your core guys, you know, and you go to a super regional and that just shows you that the, the team that we had was, was there, but you know, the pieces weren't in the right place, you know, we, with the injuries and such things. So the ball can fall either way. I, it still does it in the big leagues and in, in double A triple A, you know, it, it's the same way. Like the ball is not going to fall your way sometimes and it's whatever, but like we let it snowball and that was on us. And unfortunately we didn't get to where we wanted to be, but um, we, yeah, we were, we were stacked as just, stinks that that's the way it it, it happened here for sure I want to get your thoughts before we move into obviously you getting drafted by the Washington Nationals what happened immediately following after you left South Carolina baseball with Chad Holbrook obviously his tenure coming to an end him stepping down or whatever have you whatever happened at the end and Mark Kingston getting hired um I guess just kind of talk about that sequence of events have you had a chance to meet Mark Kingston and go back to the facility and talk to him and were you surprised at all at the sequence of events with with Chad moving on from South Carolina um, I wasn't too surprised. Uh, I think there was, um, there was a, a culture change that kind of needed to happen and, and some things weren't, weren't going the right way. And cause and, you saw, you saw the entire Holbrook tenure. I was going to say like, you were literally there for the entirety of that's interesting. Yeah. He, uh, I, I, I love Chad, you know, he's, yeah. he's, 
um, still to this day, he's down here in Char I live in Charleston, and uh, I actually saw him a couple hours ago. I was out on the field throwing with a buddy, and uh, he was hitting with this kid. And um, Chad's uh, Chad's real close to me, and I respect the heck out of him. He's um, I'm really close with Chad. I, I love him to death. But uh, I I think there were some things that that just weren't in the cards. You know, there's there's some on both sides. You know, the baseball side, the player side, and the coaching side. And I think um, it was just the time that that you know, we, we needed someone different because a change in, in scenery for some, some of the guys that were there was probably a good thing. You know, um, they went, there were some things that went down that 17th season that, uh, that, that between the coaching, the coaching staff that might not have been good for the players. And I, I don't know, I'm, I, I'm just speculating, but um, you know, the, 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 the change in, in culture and things was good because these guys, new guy coming in, you know, you don't have anything. You can't sit here and rely on, Hey, I was a starting guy last year. No, th this guy doesn't know who you are. He's coming in. He's done his research, but he wants to get his eyes on you. And coach Kingston's done a great job. He's uh, I've met him a couple of times. Um, went back. I, I haven't been back a ton since I got drafted. Um, I, I kind of, once I get home from season, I kind of keep my feet in Charleston and I don't really m move much, but um, I've met him a couple of times. He's a great dude. Um, I'm looking forward for this year. It should be a great year for those guys. They got a good team and a bunch of good players, and um, I think I think they have a chance to be good. And uh, Coach Kingston, he 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 does things a little differently than Chad does on the analytics and you know the spin rates and the launch angles and you know diving into that. But that's how baseball is going nowadays. You know, all the all the teams that are taking advantage of that are really you know they're diving in and, and figuring out like, Hey, this is what you do. Good. Let's, let's, let's hammer what you do. Good. And let's not worry about all, like the bad, you know, like if you're really good at throwing a slider, then why are you thinking about you're throwing a bad cur You have a bad curveball. Why not just hammer that slider? You know what I mean? So he, he's doing a great job. You know, I think he's got some good players in there and I think, I think this year they're going to have a good year and it'll be fun to watch them. I'm excited to get Carolina baseball back. Yeah, definitely pumped for it, for sure, counting down the days. Let, let's move to, again, you get drafted by the Nationals, um, 65th overall pick, second-round pick by Washington. Just just talk about, again, you fulfill a lifelong dream, especially, like we said, in college, you overcome that adversity, you get back, um, and you solidify your spot. Again, second-round pick, just talk about when you got that call, what that was like. It was kind of crazy. Uh, me and my family and a couple of friends were having a little, like, draft, you know, kind of watch party, I guess, mm -hmm. amongst us, like my wife's family and my family and – um we were actually at a place um what was that place called it's right across from the a loft hotel in the in the vista um uh, we it's a restaurant right there right. um it looks like a, a old-timey sonic you can like pull in underneath the thing and um blue marlin or no i'm trying yeah, to yeah blue marlin was it we blue marlin okay yeah we, i just I, I remember like the, the hangar like whatever i mean yeah. I'm, I'm in columbia it's like i see it it's like it does look kind of like a sonic i didn't really thought yeah. about that but yeah fair <laughs> yeah, enough so, yeah. we uh we were in a like a back room there right. and uh you know we go through the first round and um my agent's like hey there's like five teams that are on you we're gonna let you know like it at, at first it started with like the 25th all the way to like 40. And then the white Sox are actually picking at 40 and uh, my agent calls and he's asking me like, Hey, do you want this amount? Like, is this fine? Like, what are we, you know, you know, we went back and forth and uh, he was like, he was like, yeah, uh, I think it's a good idea. I was like, all right, we're doing it. Let's do it. Let's go. Yeah. And uh, he goes, all right, congrats. You're a white. And I'm like, 
sweet. <laughs> the pick, like two picks away. I'm like, awesome. Let's go. Pick comes up and it's Gavin Sheets from Wake Forest. And I'm like, what? I'm, what's going on? And everyone's like, what just happened? Like what my family's like, what's going on? Like what's happening? And I'm like, I don't know. So I call my agent. He's like, he says, um, they, they told us they were picking you and we don't know anything else. And then he tells me, he goes, give me two minutes. I'll call you right back. All right. Calls me back and he goes, all right, you're not getting drafted tonight. He said, we've told all the teams like not to pick you. There's a team in the early third round that wants to pick you. They're going to give you more money. And we haven't spoken to one team, but we're close with them. We left them a voicemail. They shouldn't draft you. You're good to go. Well, that one team was the nationals. So like when he tells me that we close up shop, we're like, all right, we're gone. We were, it was time to leave. We're closing up shop and we pack everything up and I'm walking out the door and Tyler Johnson goes, congrats, big dog on my phone. (laughs) Send me a text. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you just got drafted by the nationals. And I was like, what? And then it's like, my phone just goes off. So like I'm phone, I'm trying to see like where they pick me and like my parent, nobody knows we're standing outside and like in the middle of summer in Columbia, 10 o'clock at night. And everyone's like, Oh my gosh. Like it was a good, it was good though. You know, we, it was a crazy night. It was weird. And you know, we didn't expect it after all that, but um, it was, it was a good night. We were excited about it and uh, it turned out to be a, a great place to be and play for play at. Yeah, for sure. So you begin your career with Washington. I think this is really interesting. You had a lot of success in the minor leagues. You were in the Carolina League All-Star Game, uh, named co-minor league pitcher of the year one year. I want to ask you about this, though, because in 2019, you got invited to participate in Major League Spring Training, and you worked with guys, again, with Washington, like Patrick Corbin, Max Scherzer, Strasburg, and something funny here. Apparently, you told the Washington Post it was, quote, like getting a Ph.D. in pitching. Um, just expand on that. Cause again, I can imagine we all see Scherzer on, on TV. That dude's a maniac from what, like just looking at him, like why he's like mouthing things. And we all know about Strasburg, his story guys th- throws incredible, but, uh, yeah, just talk about that. I mean, getting to learn from those guys, I mean, that, that had to be just an awesome experience. Yeah. I mean, it was a blessing. It was, <laughs> it was, it was a blessing, you know, um, those guys are so smart, you know, from their routines to their work ethic, to, do you know how they how they go about their business, their mental cues, you know? I mean, Strasburg and I worked a lot in spring training um, on some stuff out of the, the stretch for me. You know, he throws specifically out of the stretch, right. maintain his mechanics and do everything the way he wants. But the way he loads and the way he throws is very similar to the way I load in, in the in the wind-up – or in the, in the stretch, I'm sorry. And uh, for him, it was – he was showing me a couple things for, you know, four weeks straight in my, in a big league camp early morning, seven 30, you know, like he's, he's telling me, Hey, Tuesday, Thursday, seven 30, let's go. We're going to go work on this. I got to work on it too. And, you know, he, he would put in a little, a little dip and he would be out there and we'd be out there at seven 30 in the morning. You know, Max is probably the only other person outside right at seven 30. He's running his poles and doing all his stuff. And me and me and Strasburg are, you know, working hard, like in, in the bullpen, you know, trying to figure out like getting these, getting the right mechanics and getting the right stuff. And then, you know, you got Patrick and we even had Anibal Sanchez, who's, you know, 12, 13 years in the big leagues. And he's, he's like telling you your mental cue, his mental cues and his, like his story and the way he used to throw a hundred. And now he's competing, winning 20 games a year, you know, 87 to 91. And like, 
just these these guys are so like they're so smart and they they've got 10 years in the big leagues for a reason and they're making you know two three hundred million for a reason mm-hmm. and um just being able to you know throw stuff off of them pick their brain and say hey what's what what do you feel when you do this or when you do this or like on your slider how do you feel when you're in your fingers you know pressure point here pressure point there you know they're just all so smart and they they really understand their bodies and the way that like the body should move. And it's something that I'll, I'll never forget because of the, the, the amount of help they gave me when I was at, at Washington national. Well, what was your biggest adjustment or thing you, you had to learn? You feel like when you went from college to the pro game, because again, it's, it's another jump, like going from high school to sec, it's another big jump. And like you said, the, the detail is so, I mean, it's all over the place. What, what was the thing for you? Like you, like I said, that, uh, you know, you had to learn or did learn that helped you have success in the minors? Yeah, probably just getting that routine, you know, and from day one, they, as a starter, it's a little different than maybe your relievers or your position players, but it's, they, they tell you, Hey, you're, you're going to need a routine and that's, what's going to get you through like day one, day two, day three, day four, you're pitching day five. And you're like, okay, like, what, what makes me go? What makes me do what I can do at the best? So, you know, your first year, two years, you're throwing something in on Monday for a Friday start and you're seeing how you feel on Friday. You're doing something day two, day three, and it's really figuring out that routine. And uh, in South Carolina, you're pitching every set. For me, it was every seventh day. Wow. So like pitch Friday, light catch Saturday, Sunday, you know, Monday we get a massage and it'd be an off day, make a little, little catch, you know, Tuesday bullpen, Wednesday, Thursday, very like light catch Friday go time. Right. When the big league or in, in pro ball, it's all right, you're pitching Monday and then you're going to pitch Saturday. And, you know, every third or fourth start, we're going to have an off day. So you're going to, your routine's going to go from five days to six days right. and then you're back to five days. So it's really learning like, what your body needs and how to maintain and keep up with your rehab and your prehab and your, 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 you know, stuff with the trainer, your workouts, you know, really figuring out like those five day periods of six day periods, what makes you go. So then on day that, that fifth day or that sixth day, when it's go time, you're ready, you know, nothing and nothing's going to stop you. Nothing is bothering you or something. You don't have anything that's going to mess with you. Now, well, before we get into obviously you making your big league, uh, big league debut this past season, I just want to ask you: just being a professional ball player in 2020, man, what a time to be alive! I mean, obviously, we all saw it kind of fall apart in March, and uh, you know, spring training gets everything gets stopped, and we didn't even know for the longest whether we were going to have a season. And you guys, what got going? What late June or was it late July? Actually, I think late um, July had a 60-game yeah. schedule, which I will say this, from the fan perspective, it was a blast. I mean, I was watching – I watched more Braves baseball this summer than I'd probably watched in the last couple of years come back. Because I'll be honest, like, I'm a baseball guy. I played in college. I actually played at Newberry College. Um, but I, as a baseball fan, it's like it's one of those things where I'm sure you know, man, you get into, like, July, August, you get in those dog days, and it's like it's just hard. It's kind of – it's it gets hard to watch, you know what I mean? Like, there's just so many games. But in that 60-game format, it was like every game, every series matters. But again, for a lot of 2020, for you guys, there was just so much uncertainty. Are we going to have a season? I mean, other guys I was talking to, I saw, you know, a couple of former South Carolina guys were working out in Greenville and Charleston, whatever, just trying to stay sharp. I mean, what was that like for you? How did you, how did you maintain? How did you stay sharp? Because again, I know the minor league season was completely lost, um, but obviously you didn't have to worry about that. But I mean, what was that like for you, again, just dealing with that uncertainty? 
Yeah, it was it was weird. You know, we were in camp and, you know, the, the COVID bug hit, you know, right when we got there, you know, everything was kind of going AWOL in Seattle mm-hmm. and everyone's like, what's going on? And it, and no one really thought anything of it. Everyone's like, ah, it's, it's, it'll pass, mm-hmm. you know, it's, we're, we're playing, you know, we're going. And then, you know, it gets into, into early March, right before we shut down. And it's like, all right, everyone like wash your hands, like don't sign baseballs, don't mm-hmm. sign autographs. Like fans are still there, but like, if we're going to sign them, we ended up starting like every morning they would put like 50 baseballs in a box in the mm-hmm. clubhouse. And like each of us, like so, the rookies would sign like 40 of them. And then like a couple of big names <laughs> would sign. Right. And they would just be, they would go and throw them out at, to the fans. And that was like kind of what we did. And then funny thing was the last game that was played before everything got killed or shut right. down that we, the Nats were playing the Yankees at our facility with like 8,000 people and like there's a full stadium, everything, everyone's like, like before the game, they were, they told us, Hey, we're playing, but don't be surprised if like, as soon as it's done, you guys go home. And it's like, what going on? And then, you know, we play that game and by the, by like the seventh inning of that spring training game, it's coming out that like spring training camps are being shut down. Mm. Players don't know what they're doing. So then we're there for like three more days. And it basically said like, you're probably going to go home. We might keep this open. We might not. And then I ended up getting sent down to minor league camp, which meant immediately you're going home. So like they, they told me on like a Tuesday that I was getting sent down and to like pack my stuff up. So I packed my stuff up and I walk across the hall to the minor league side. And it was like, and now you can go home. So it was like really odd, but, uh, get home and you know they said at first they were like all right take two weeks and just kind of play light catch with whoever you can and then do like a week of long toss and then throw two weeks of bullpens and we're going to be back that was like the the time period like six weeks you're coming back and we're like okay sounds good so we do that and then it goes like full quarantine mode Mm. and i'm like what am i going to do like no gyms no nothing luckily chad here at college of charleston he was letting us get on the field and they had a bike and he was letting us go out to the stadium. And I was like doing dumbbell squats and dumbbell curls with tarp weights on the baseball field, <laughs> like picking up tarp weights and doing stuff and like doing as much as I could out there. And that's kind of what quarantine was for, you know, four weeks. And then they kind of started opening stuff back up and we're still playing catch every day and throwing two or three bullpens every week, you know, just staying in shape, not knowing what's coming. And then, like you said, late late July, or it was probably June 15th, they call or do the meeting and they say, all right, we're playing a 60-game season, be here in two weeks. And it's like, okay, <laughs> sounds good. You're coming to D.C. And, um, yeah, that was – that was it was it was hectic, but um, it was good. It was good to be home. You know, I got I got my first summer, like, yeah. in, I guess, since TJ. But before TJ, I didn't – like, that was – I've had two summers in, you know, 15 years. And uh, my wife's family has a place in Merrill's Inlet. And we went up there, and we were up there on the boat and hanging out and doing the beach stuff. And that was su- super nice. We had a, had a great time doing that. But other than that, it was kind of hectic, and we were just trying to – get by and stay away from the, the, the COVID and, and, you know, stay ready for the season. Yeah. I remember the first week it came back and I think, what is it? Jeff Passan. That's the, that's one of the big MLB guys. I remember watching 
ESPN and that first week when the Marlins got it and you're like, oh my God, here we go. This is about to, we're, we're about to be shut down before we even get going. I mean, I, I'll ask you again. And they, I think, was the roster expanded for this season? Like they had more guys, right? That's, was that one of the reasons yeah. like you got the, which I guess that benefited a lot of guys. I mean, a lot of guys got their shot this year. Um, yeah. So, so they, it went to 30. So it's right. usually 27. Next year it's going to be 28 but it went all the way to 30. So it kind of gave you that extra spot. But even right. with the Marvel situation, when you went on your like two week COVID list, kind of like football's doing, they can call up whoever they want, right. you know, and you can call up prospects, you can get free agents, like you can do whatever you want. And, you know, you, they give you that expansion. If you have 14 to 20, whatever players out, you know, you can add 20 more players. You just got to know when it's, when it comes back to it, you're going to have to send some people. Right down or let people go so um you know that was it was crazy we we get into season that none of us thought we were going to play and um you know I have a buddy down here who played at Clemson his name's Dominic Leon and and that's who I throw with and he was like man there's like his agent was saying it's probably not going to happen my agent was like yeah it's probably not going to happen and then you know three weeks before it's like all right you need to gear up if you ain't been going you got to get going it's go time. We really didn't think it was going to be something. And then the Marlins get it and everyone's like, Oh, and like, that was our division. You know, yeah. we missed our, the last two weeks of the season, really one of my, my last start. Is that right? My last start. Yeah. Um, was against the Marlins because they had that COVID outbreak. You know, we missed three games against them earlier in the season and I got it. My last start was against them due to that. And, uh, it's just, it's just crazy that it, it all happened that way. And, um, I was glad to get the season out. I didn't know if it would it would make it, but um, it's weird. It was a weird year. You know, you go to the hotel, you can order food, but they have to drop it off at the front desk, and you can't come in contact with them. Like the front desk would then bring it to your door, knock, and leave. Like you had security guards on each floor. Like if you went to the lobby at night to like get your food or go to get water at the front desk or something, the security guard's standing there waiting for it. He's marking your name down, like making sure who you are, like not leaving the hotel. Like it was weird. It was, it was very different, you know, and like flights were you're, you're, they charter flights, but you know, they're getting these huge planes instead of like compact ones because every player who's or personnel, anybody who's on the plane has to have their own row. And it's like, it's like one person's in a window, one person's in an aisle. Like they're, they're trying to get us all spread out. And it, it was different, but um, it was a great experience. You know, you still have the, the clubhouse that you, you get to be around the guys and have that team feeling. And it was nice to get that and be able to have a little bit of normalcy, yeah. but um, it was definitely an odd year. That's for sure. Well, and again, that 2020 season, let's move into the peak of it. You make your major league debut uh, August 22nd, 2020. You started, again, like, ironically enough, against the Miami Marlins, the second game of a doubleheader. Again, maybe not quite how you drew it up, especially with the way the 2020 season was. But, I mean, just just talk about that, man. I mean, getting to make your major league debut, get out there. I mean, you really reach the mountaintop. You know what I mean? That, the, the goal you've been fighting for your entire life. I mean, just just walk me through what was that like. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was a great day. You know, they, they told me the, the night before, um, my wife was actually home and I call her and I'm, and she's excited. She's, she ended up driving back and in DC, there's a bar on the top of the hotel in left field and she's sitting 
up there watching the game on the TV, which is like 30 seconds behind the PA system that she can hear. So like, she's like hearing stuff, wondering what's going on. And this, yeah, because I was going to say no fans, no, not even like yeah. family or anything. Nothing. Ah, so, um, it, it, different stadiums had it like louder or quieter, right. like part, they had a little bit of like white noise that kind of sounded like, you know, a little bit of fans, but like the Marlin stadium, when we played there, it sounded like we were at a beach party. Like it was like <laughs> a million. Like I couldn't, I, that day that I pitched the second game, yeah. I walked out during the first game to like, just watch a little bit. And like, it was like blowing my eardrums out in the stadium. Like, Oh, this is wild. And no one's there. You know, you got some reporters and that's it. And just right. some people who can take pictures, but, um, it was an experience I won't forget. Um, you know, I, I go out there, I'm, my heart's beating. I'm probably sweating more than usual. It was felt like it was a thousand degrees. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it was it was awesome. I uh, like you said, I, I everything I've been working for. You know, I uh, I made it. You know, and it was it was a great day. It was it was a lot of fun. Like you said, it wasn't the end result. You know, I don't think any of my my starts were, but um, the experience of it, you know, getting my feet wet and uh, getting the opportunity and now um, just, you know, pushing me to fight for more. You know, I, I know I can compete at that level and I know I'm 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 ready to compete at that level. It's just now just, you know, when that opportunity and that opportunity comes, let's just, you know, take grab it by the horns and let's just run with it. Yeah, I was going to say, what would you learn from those starts? Because, again, I, there were some ups, there were some downs, whatever. Like I said, you got your feet wet. I mean, I, I'd imagine, though, just the emphasis, like you were saying, on attention to detail. I mean, these are the best hitters in the world. I mean, they're, they're getting paid millions of dollars, too. You know what I mean? So, like, what what'd you take away from it? I'm just curious. I mean, my biggest thing was that there, it's – the difference between them and a triple-A hitter, technically, is – everything's just a tad smaller. So like they miss, it's a tad smaller miss, you know, they take, it's a tad smaller take, you know, everything's just conform confined a little bit, but they're the same, you know, the same pitches are going to get the same people out. Like if I, if I compete and I make my pitch, it doesn't matter. And I think I got a little passive and I'll be the first one to say that, you know, I was trying to be too fine. And these guys at the big league level, like if you're being fine and you're picking at corners and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to beat them around instead of in it right. there, they, they take those pitches. And that's, that's what I learned. And like, you know, even with, you know, Acuna and when I faced the Braves, Acuna and those guys, you know, I, I give up, you know, a home run, to like Austin Riley and it's like a hanging slider and he should have killed it well then you know I strike out Acuna on a two-seam fastball that I threw chest high right down the middle you know and they're gonna miss their pitches they're gonna miss but they know you know like if it's not there they know and uh, just about competing in the zone and just just being there you know you can't you can't nibble at this corner you can't be like all right I'm gonna throw this pitch in this spot and he's gonna swing at it but it's gonna be a ball it doesn't work like that you know they're gonna sit on their pitches they're gonna they're gonna fight and they're gonna use what they do to to do what they do best and you've got to you know beat them with your stuff you know they're not gonna sit and you're not gonna throw a 58 foot curveball and they're looking for it and they're gonna swing at it it's not gonna happen you know you get those funky swings by what you do in the pitches before, not not by throwing this nasty pitch that they've never seen before. Right. right, for sure. No, trusting your stuff, absolutely. I will say, I know we got a lot of Braves fans that listen to this. I, I'm, I think we're all excited for Atlanta, and they, they've got some studs for sure, especially arms wise. Think of uh, Bryce Wilson and Freed, and I mean, obviously the lineup. Just, I mean, it's the Bashers speaks for itself. What Ozuna did, just stupid. I mean, his his year was just dumb. 
Um, I, I want to ask you, though, again, you just got recently traded Christmas Eve. You find out you're getting traded to the Pirates. Um, so you're now officially a Pittsburgh Pirate. And like I said, I'm rocking the Pittsburgh gear, of course, repping for you, Will. Just talk about, again, we were talking a little bit off air, but that kind of that funny story. Again, Merry Christmas to you. You're headed to Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's, uh, it was it was odd. Uh, I we, we were thinking it might happen this year. You know, the Nats needed a big bat. You know, they, they needed to trade for somebody, and uh, they weren't willing to give up, you know, their, their top four or five prospects that were a hitter and, you know, three really, really good arms. And they, they just weren't, weren't wanting to do that, and that's what all the reports were. So we, we kind of thought it might happen. Um, but, you know, we thought it might happen last year and the year before. Right. So, um, you know, we're, I'm sitting there on my phone. I'm actually watching watching something on Twitch, which is funny. But um, <laughs> watch something on Twitch, and I get a phone call, and I'm like, okay, this is from the Nats GM. I'm like, well, okay, I don't think he's calling me to just say hello. <laughs> so I answer, and that's what he said. He's like, hey, I would love this, this call just to be a Merry Christmas, and I hope you have a good holiday, but it's a business call. And um, he said, we traded you to the, to the Pirates. Um Basically, we appreciate what you've done. We can't tell you who it's for because it's not out yet. Um, But you're going to the Pirates, and we hope you have the best best career and best of luck with all that. And um, if we ever, you know, meet again, speak again, whatever, and hope it's in you're coming back and whatever, you know. And I said thanks. I appreciate what you guys did for me. And um, you know, click the phone, call my agent. He's like, I didn't know that, and he's like (laughs) to figure out. And you know, I tell my wife. She's like freaking out. You know, she, we have a new puppy right? and I, I holler at her. I'm like, Hillary, come in here. And she's like, what's up? And I said, I just got traded. And she was like, no way. And I was like, yeah, it's like, yeah. So it, that, that day was like a whirlwind, you know, that was at like one at one and by like two Oh five, you know, the, the it's came out in the media and it's all over Twitter. Um, and my phone's blowing up and I'm just trying to, you know, get in contact with the right people and, the Pirates GM called and was like, Hey, we're, we're super excited to have you. You know, um, there's a lot of opportunity here and we want you to win some innings and we want, we want you to be a part of our future. And um, we're, we're stoked about having you and we look forward to getting to work with you in spring. So um, he was like, it's the holidays. I'm going to let you go. So you can be with your family. So that's how it kind of went. And uh, ever since then it's been, you know, kind of a transition, you know, I, I, when I go to the gym, I wear all my Nats stuff, and I'm or not all of it. I usually wear like a Nats shirt, or like right. I wear a sweatshirt a lot. But that's what I work out in. I go over there and I have a sweatshirt on, and my Nats is under it. And I'm like, I don't even need this stuff anymore. Like I got, there's, <laughs> I got to get black and yellow and um, all this stuff. <laughs> but I just got a new pair of cleats um, that Nike sent me, and they're they're like all white, but they got this like gray sparkle, like like metallic sparkle on them. Mm-hmm but the top has like a gold sparkle. So I was like, Hey, I can wear these. These are actually my colors. Like, <laughs> I don't have to wear these red cleats anymore. So um, I'm excited about it. It's going to be a great opportunity. You know, I've, I've met, I've talked to the pitching coach and um, I've talked to the manager and I talked to all the medical guys yesterday and they all seem really excited to meet me and uh, I'm excited to meet them. I know it's going to be a, a great opportunity for me and uh, we're looking forward to get going. I mean, it's a breath of fresh air that I'm on a team that, you know, really wanted me, you know, they gave up Josh Bell for me and the other prospect. And um, I know they want, wanted me to be in a part of their, you know, their build. And um, I'm excited about that. I'm ready to get going. It's going to be fun. For sure. Will. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on last thing before I get you out of here though, I, sticking specifically with the Gamecocks, you look back on your South Carolina career again, a lot of positives to take away. 
favorite moment, favorite memory, maybe funniest story, maybe something like uh, happened behind the scenes, behind the scenes on the field, off the field. I know you played with some characters, obviously, so I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's many stories you can't really tell on the airways because, like I said, I'm just thinking <laughs> on the top of my head some of those dudes and you mentioned Joey. That's that's a freaking clown right there, man. That's that is. Yeah. A clown. Uh, but no, just, yeah, some of your favorite memories from your time as a Gamecock. You know, uh, some of the best times at Carolina were were not on the field. You know, they were right. they were off the field with those guys. You know, in the clubhouse. You know, playing cornhole and in in the in the clubhouse. You know, having having barbecues on Sundays with the guys. You know, those type of things. You know, really just forming into the family. You know, and uh, that's a big thing. Is like when a, when a team's great, they're all together. You know, when a team isn't very good, there's usually a bad apple or a rotten apple somewhere in there. And that, that's usually what the way it goes. And, uh, I don't, I don't know, you know, a lot of, a lot about like my time there is when I got hurt, I kind of became like the, the team dad, you know, and, and I had, I had Hillary and she, she was like the team mom and, um, Sawyer Bridges dad. I actually, uh, talked to him a couple months ago at Ross uh, Governor's wedding, mm-hmm. and uh, he had told me the first thing, first time he'd ever seen my wife Hillary was Sawyer and him were walking in the parking lot, and he was like, "Yeah, that's the team mom, that's Will's girlfriend." So it's like we were known for that. So you know, some of those times where I would invite guys over to my our condo, and you know, I would buy a UFC fight or I would buy like a boxing match, or we would you know watch a football game, and we'd all have like our food like cooked bunch of bad food and, you know, just hang out and just like that time to just un- unravel and just, it wasn't about baseball or working out or, you know, school. It was about just being with friends and, you know, enjoying that time with each other. And that, those are some of the memories I'll never forget. Like football Saturdays, having tailgates at our condo right there. We were at Carolina walk. So we were yeah, right yeah. across the okay. from the football stadium. Um, so we, we always had those guys coming over and that's, that's the best times just being able to, to, you know, create those friendships that are lasting a lifetime and uh, something I'll never forget. And I'll always cherish my time there. For sure. Will. it's been a pleasure, man. Like I said, obviously we'll be watching from afar. Best of luck in Pittsburgh. Let's keep our fingers crossed that uh, we have a normal spring training, normal college season, normal pro season. We can get back to some sort of normalcy. I, I know for me, I think the last season I was literally, we were all gearing up for SEC play and you find out Thursday it's gone and you're just like, oh my God. So let's keep our fingers crossed. Normal season, obviously we'll be watching you and all of your former teammates from afar because there's a ton of you guys right now doing great things in the league and it's obviously awesome to see. But Will, appreciate you taking the time. And let's definitely do it again soon for sure. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I had a blast and uh, hope for, for a normalcy very soon, man. <laughs> Absolutely. He's Will Crow. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on an episode of the Spurs Up Show.